Now on Sports Talk, it's SC Wild with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer is here to take your questions about the great outdoors in South Carolina. Give him a call at 888-898-2525. It's SC Wild from DNR on the Sports Talk Radio Network. Okay, great to have uh, Major Billy Downer with us once again tonight from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. And uh, Major, good evening. How are you, sir? Welcome back into SC Wild. Glad to be here and doing good tonight. Phil, thanks for asking. You know, before we welcome in your guest and get into your topic, which tonight is ducks, big story this week, a great story this week that DNR investigators used phone technology to find a missing hunter in distress. You want to take us through the, the background of all this and the how it turned out to be a happy ending? Sure. It was, um, it was actually New Year's Eve. Uh, the story's just been released, so that's why it's getting out. But on uh, New Year's Eve, we had a hunter um, get lost or, or, excuse me, go missing. A family was missing him, couldn't make contact. He was supposed to be hunting uh, somewhere near the border of Bamberg and Orangeburg County. Family got kind of worried, didn't report back in, didn't hear from him, couldn't get told of him. Um, and he had told them the area he would be, and so they called our officers, uh, called our radio room, and from there it kind of uh, the, it became a search and rescue operation as far as, as, as we're concerned, looking for a missing hunter. Um, so... Using uh, a very, very, very real uh, cell technology, you see it on shows all the time. You see it on crime shows. They ping a phone. Well, you actually can do that. Um, we have a program that allows us to ping the cell phone, and we're able to put us within 50 feet of the man where he actually was. Wow. Which ended up being five miles from where his family thought he was. Um, so... This technology aided tremendously, and he was in um, he was in medical distress. wasn't you know dead by, uh, or dying, but he was uh, unconscious and uh, having some, a medical issue. <clears throat> so, absolutely, the, the ping was was necessary and worked. And, and for those that ask that question, well, how do you ping a phone? Well, this technology allows you to ping that phone and triangulate. It tells you where that. It's very accurate. Can tell you where that um, where that phone is. And we use that in very specific scenarios. Number one, like this, would be in a life or death scenario where you're trying to look for somebody. Uh, the only other way we use that is uh, with a warrant, where we get a warrant to ping a phone or to track where a phone's been or to get information off a phone. Um, and uh, it's pretty accurate as to where it will track where you've been. And in this case, absolutely accurate to where the individual was. So a great uh, happy ending to that story. He was located and he's doing well now, but um, again, it, it being five miles off is a pretty huge um, error as far as you know when you're doing search and rescue. That's a large room for error there, mm-hmm. and so the pinging actually helped and got us to him very quickly. We we're able to get EMS to him, um, and so uh, happy ending to that story on New Year's Eve. Absolutely, and he's doing okay. Has there been any follow up? I don't know if any follow-up, but he was doing okay. Last I heard, he was doing good. That's great. That's great. And, and last thing, any uh, idea, and maybe this will be a, a teaching opportunity, any idea how he found himself you know, getting lost and, and getting off track, what happened there? Maybe somebody can avoid that in the future? 
Well, in, in his case, it was a medical emergency. Um, so um, he had a medical problem that happened. Gotcha. Um, he was confused, disoriented. Um, so it was not anything where he did anything wrong. He okay. had a medical emergency occur. Gotcha. Uh, which, you know, worst case scenario could happen at any moment to any of us if something happens. And you're, but we always talk about it, Phil. You've talked about it on the show before. You know, tell your family where you're going. Be specific. Be specific. Because in this case, it worked out. We could ping the phone. Um, and luckily, everybody takes their phone with them, you know, and he had his phone with him. Um, but, you know, be specific where you're going so folks have a good idea. Not, I'm just going to Clarendon County or whatever to hunt. You know, where are you going? If you plan on hunting a certain stand, tell them exactly what stand you're going in or what property, where are you going to be. Um, we always tell folks you're going fishing on the lake. Just don't say, I'm going to Lake Marion. Tell them what land you're going to be at or where your truck's going to be parked, you know, or your vehicle's going to be parked, your boat uh, uh, trailer will be. And what part of the lake you may be fishing because you never know in a situation like this, time is of the essence. And, you know, a good location is very important. I got to believe, too, when this happens, when there's a search and rescue situation that you guys are involved in, and it turns out, well, you find the person and you bring them home, and it's got to be a great feeling around the department that you guys were able to spring into action and, and get it done. Absolutely. And, and through the years and, and being a part of many search and rescues, I can tell you as an officer, it feels good to – successfully find someone and bring them back to safety. Um, you know, we, we're always a part of, of both good and bad, and there's good and bad stories in our careers that we have to live with. Um, this is a good story. It's one that makes you feel good about what you do, and our officers that are out there are proud to be the people that can go out there in the woods or on the lake and find somebody when they're needing help. And so that's something we did in this time, and I'm proud of the officers that are involved in that. The technology uh, that we, <clears throat> we are utilizing now is certainly um, a big, big asset for us. Absolutely. Okay, let's go from uh, a happy story there to uh, some other happy times, and that is, of course, people love duck hunting in South Carolina. It's a big part of uh, the great outdoors, big part of SC Wild, and you've got a special guest tonight. I do. we got Molly Neese coming back with us tonight. She's our state waterfowl biologist. Wanted to bring her back on. We had her on a few weeks ago. It's a good show. Want to do that again. Folks always want to know kind of what our waterfowl season looks like. Um, and I wanted Molly to give us kind of an update of, of some of the areas, the highlights that she'd like us to know about, you know, where, where ducks are, particularly on the coast. Everybody kind of wants to know what's the migration like when it's warm like this. We kind of freak out where are the ducks at. But, uh, Molly, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, Major Downer, I appreciate you and Phil having me on again. Absolutely. So, we were talking uh, earlier today. Tell us, you know, understood in the last week or so we may have gotten to push a duck. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. Things are uh, things are picking up from a southerly direction back on the coast, picking up some nice south winds, and usually this time of year, especially on the coast, we'll start seeing some of the pop back up in the area. Those blue wings, especially, um, popping back up from from, uh, from Florida. Usually, uh, some fresh birds with some. Usually helps help hunters out this time of year. I certainly enjoy the blue wings this time of year. So, so it's been a big but, blue uh, wing push. Any other any other ducks? Yeah, you know, I think our, I think our green wings are bouncing around. Um, I've heard good things about widgeon in the past week. You know, widgeon are funny. They seem to kind of come and go, but uh, we certainly enjoy them when they got them. Real fun birds and real vocal. You usually hear them before you see them. And, <laughs> 
and uh, and uh, I know too. I remember watching just kind of kind of fall out of the sky. They tend to appear from nowhere, and and um, so the past few weeks have been pretty good for us for Legion too. And uh, man, pintails have been really fun this year. All throughout the season, have good pintail numbers on the coast in a lot of places. So uh, pretty pretty good year for us. I think we've been I've been interacting with a lot of hunters on public land and you know, been enjoying themselves, hearing a lot of good things, and and enjoying some duck hunting myself. So. Well, good. Well, um, so how about I hear this from year to year, and I've heard it uh, uh, in the Midwest, um, out in Arkansas. Gadwalls have been up this year. Have we seen that on our coastline at all? Yeah, you know, I think our gadwall has been been pretty standard to the average year for us. Um, But, you know, they're they're a great big bird to have in the bag, and uh, I certainly enjoy shooting gadwall. Um, but uh, they, they were running pretty average from what I've seen on gadwall numbers and places that I kind of monitor on the coast, public and private. But, uh, you know, so far looking 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 pretty good on the gadwall too. So, so. All right, so for those uh, folks that, that, that may be looking to go or uh, may be going on a Category 1 hunt coming up, kind of wanting to know where the hot areas are, I know you were telling me the Cape's pretty hot right now. Cape? Cape is pretty hot. Cape and Murphy are, man, they're silky coastal and guys. We talked about them the last time I was on, but man, they've they've got uh, got a lot of good things going on. Habitat looks phenomenal. Been a lot of really happy hunters. I mean, when you can when you can uh, when you can have eighteen people in the morning and, and uh, everybody come out with with five or six birds in their hand, you know that's that's really unusual for a piece of of public land. And um, we've we've enjoyed that numerous times this season. So. You know, it's not all about the numbers, but man, it's, it's pretty magical to sit there and uh, harvest your birds, and then get to get to sit there and just kind of watch the watch the wetlands and watch the waterfowl just around you. It's really been a great year for those guys. Um, I mentioned Sandy Beach. You know, last time that I was on, talking about habitat at Sandy Beach, and having some really great hunts there as well. Nice mixed bag of, of gadwall and widgeon, a few bowers, I think. But nice, nice mixed bag there right off the lake. And uh, you talked to some some public land hunters hunting on uh, the Broad River, um, in kind of Pearl Reservoir, Monticello kind of area. And man, those guys have been having a good year. I've heard reports of canvasbacks and widgeon and pintails mixed in there. And um, you know, there's there's kind of upland sites can be a challenge to manage when you know we get big rainfall of this, big pulses of water can make those impoundments in those areas pretty challenging. But uh, you know, our Broad River guys have been really doing a having a having a great year as well. So. I've been doing a, a lot of enjoying getting out and interacting with staff and uh, interacting with hunters on those hunts, you know, shaking hands in the morning and, and uh, swapping stories after the hunt, you know. So it's great to, great to see people enjoy our Category 1 hunts. It's uh, one, of my, one of my favorite things about, about the winter. So. Cool. So just to recap a little bit for folks that may not know, Sandy Beach is on the lower lake, uh, Lake Moultrie of, of Santee Cooper Lake System. And you're saying that they've had widgeon and um, some, uh, you even say mallards maybe even? Hang on one second, Major. We're checking in with Molly because the, the cell sounded a little bit weak, yep. but Pat was just talking to her. Now we've got her back with us. So uh, repeat okay. your question to her, and I think she'll be ready to go. Yeah. Hey, Molly, just talk about to Sandy Beach for folks that may not know where that is. That's on Lake Moultrie, Lower Lake. And you were saying Widgeon and Gadwall yeah, yeah. and Mallards there? Widgeon, Gadwall, Mallards, um, really nice numbers of green wings, too. 
Uh, those guys have been having some really quality hunts. Um, habitat is looking phenomenal, and uh, man, I've, I've been really, really impressed with staff and and uh, and the habitat there in in that area. It's really, uh, really putting a lot of work in. It's been good to kind of see the fruits of those labors and happy hunters come out of come out of Sandy Beach this year. Absolutely, Sandy Beach has not been a product as productive in the last ten years as it was maybe twenty years ago. I know. Absolutely. So yeah, we like I said, I mentioned before, we've done a lot of contract work there. Um, really getting those areas where we can manage them on a on a better scale and be more productive very each year in our habitat management. And I think we're seeing a lot of a lot of fruits of those labors there. Um, those, those guys are really doing a phenomenal job. So really encouraging to see hunters come out with smiles on their face and uh, and six ducks in their hands. So. Absolutely, and, and I wanted to point this out because I think when people hear that, they go, "Well, you're finally planting your areas again." That's not the case here. Talk about the kind of work that went in there to change Sandy Beach. Absolutely. You know, we've done a lot of work um, on those impoundments, a lot of, a lot of cleaning out of, of ditches that are inside those impoundments that allows us to better pull water off when we get big rain events and things and during the growing season. Um, you know, because if your interior ditches aren't clean, you know, your soil can, can become too wet. And it'll, uh, a crop like corn, you know, that really likes to be dry. Um, you know, you'll you'll flood that corn out when it's young and uh, won't be able to produce the crop for for uh, for the winter. So we've done a lot of stuff that really allows us to be more successful, have a greater opportunity to be successful when we plant agricultural based crops in those areas. It allows us to put a lot of food on the ground. Um, they've done too, you know, a lot of that ditch clean out as well, and kind of leveling of the field bed really allows us to encourage good uh, natural vegetation, those moist soil plants, different smart weeds and painted grasses and things that. You know, ducks really like to eat those natural seeds, too. So we've really got a good buffet of, uh, of planted <laughs> foods and natural foods out there. And, you know, all that all that work of, of helping us move water where we want it, when we want it, has been super beneficial. Well, I appreciate that because I know – I don't think people understand sometimes the amount of land-moving, equi- earth-moving equipment, track hose, bulldozers that go into doing this kind of work to clean out a ditch. It's not just taking a backhoe in there. And cleaning the ditch out, you're literally putting in uh, hundreds of hours of work in, moving a lot of dirt around. Absolutely, and work all the way from you know engineering and partnerships with Ducks Unlimited, all the way to you know contractors that we bring in to do work. And our staff does a lot of heavy equipment work for us too. So it takes a lot of people and a lot of effort, you know, a lot of planning to make those things uh, come to fruition. And um, man, we really enjoy it. Enjoy this time of year. Seeing, seeing birds in the field. Absolutely. So, uh, Broad River, what's going on there? Any, what, any changes in management there? Are we just are we just seeing a better year? What's going on, Broad River? We're seeing a re- we're seeing a really good year, you know. But we've had uh, we've got some time, some work going on there as well. That's doing a lot of the same things we're doing at uh, at Sandy Beach. You know, looking at how we move water and how we control water during the growing season to allow us to more consistently grow. Um, grow crops for ducks and and really kind of fine-tune our natural management there too so but uh man I, I, that whole area around uh around broad river um has done really well this year good mixed bag of birds i've heard uh heard guys hunting the river talk about canvas backs and and killing widgeon as well on the river there and um you know we've been done been seeing a couple mallards show back up you know on some on some hunts there at broad river so uh so hopefully we're on a good upswing there. You know, staff is staff working really hard there as well and trying to 
kind of push things in a in a really good direction. I'm I'm really optimistic. Um, based off of what uh, what Mother Nature has provided us this year, we've been very fortunate on a lot of our areas, and you know, our Cat One areas, and then even our, our public waterways as well. I've been hearing good reports. So. Well, cool. So on the on average, our Category One areas, and this is kind of an off the cuff question, so take your time on the answer. We we, <laughs> we do have a lot of planted areas, um, and we talked about that before versus moist soil. Majority of our areas inland are planted. Our coastal units, more soil. Is that correct? Yeah. So, so inland areas are predominantly planted. We do do a little bit of moist soil management on our inland areas. We're places where we've got you know the right right soil moisture to encourage those things. Maybe a little too wet to plant will uh, encourage encourage native vegetation on those areas. But on the coast, we're looking at either. Uh, either moist soil management or brackish water management where we're targeting uh, widging grass and spike rust. And all that depends on uh, the salinity of the water, how much water is in the system, and on uh, it depends on what kind of vegetation that we grow. But, uh, you know, two two different types of management, but uh, very productive for us. So um, either either large grains or, or small grains and lots of uh, small insects. So good duck food either way. Absolutely. So, we're looking at now what we've got, uh, it's the 18th, so we've got 13 more days left in the season, just under two weeks. Uh, I know we've got some um, public public duck hunt days still going on our Category 1 areas. Um, don't know about weather. What You know, you and I duck hunt, we know that weather is something we like to see. We like to see cold weather because it seems to push ducks in. But it's funny you're talking about blue wings moving back up from Florida which is also an indicator of warm weather. They just move up and, and just migration. Um, how right. much does weather affect our Category 1 hunts inland versus coastal, in your opinion? You know, I, I, you know, your coastal hunts seem to be pretty consistent throughout the year. You know, if you, I've noticed the past seven years of being on the coast and so watching Cat 1 areas pretty intently. Um you know, you'll see pushes of blue wings come and go with winds out of the north and the south throughout the season. But, you know, I think that uh, I think that big, big cold weather front that we got right there around Christmas was, was very beneficial for our inland areas. You know, they tend to be a little more weather dependent than our coastal areas. Uh, I think our coastal areas get a lot of what we call calendar birds. They're kind of coming, coming either way, no matter what the weather does. But uh, our inland areas, I think, are, are going to be more weather dependent, you know, pushing down more. More, more mallards, and you'll see um, ringnecks come and go on those areas. I've actually I've seen a good many black ducks this year on on some of our inland areas, some some private places that I hunt. Um, seen a lot of black ducks too on our on our coastal areas, and I think those are usually pretty pretty linked to uh, linked to that good weather that we like to see as duck hunters. Those good cold weather fronts with those strong winds. So I know I took uh took my two nephews the Friday before Christmas and I think I turned them through into into duck hunters with that, that magical weather we had right there before Christmas. So. Absolutely. And, and black ducks are kind of that special bird for a duck hunter that you don't get to see a whole lot of, so it's neat to see those. Speaking of the darker birds, your, your model ducks, do you see anything on our model duck take this year about normal? Have we seen any more being taken on our areas this year? Yep, I think I think we're running pretty par for the course pretty average on our model duck harvest this year it's always fun to watch watch hunters take those birds because just they're you know located on the coast not something you can shoot every everywhere so 
people get pretty excited about those. So pretty uh pretty average on our model duck numbers, but uh, definitely seems like the best black duck year I've seen in the past seven years on the coast. So um, pretty uh pretty fun to watch those guys come in with those birds too. So but um, always always good to see those guys come out with with a with a prize. Hmm. So Molly on our model duck management, just going a little bit further with that. We've talked about it on the show before. I know I've told the number, and I think we're probably still there. Correct me if I'm wrong. We're still around, what, 20,000 birds for our, what we think is our kind of population? That's correct. That's correct. Model ducks are, are holding holding pretty steady, right around 20,000 is our, our best. And I, was, and I was telling people, you know, they're very specific on their nest sites. They like points or reeds. They're going to nest over water. They don't use mallard, the, the mallard um uh, tubes if you put those out. Am I correct on that? They're pretty specific, right? That's correct. Yep, that's correct. You know, real real uh real specific nesting birds in the in the habitats and in places that you describe, but they just they don't tend to take to those uh those mallard hen houses, those nesting tubes, um uh, very easily. I've actually I've 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 done a study on them and I, I can't I can't quite get them to take to them, but they love hmm. to hide down in the corn grass and and um and sand cord grass really places they can tuck in and hide and Right there on those brackish impoundments, mm-hmm. and they do really, really well for it. And for those that may not know, including Phil, because I know you're wondering, Phil, right now, what a mallard nesting box is, but mm-hmm. nesting to you basically take wire, like it's not chicken wire, but hard wire, like your welder wire, two by four welder wire, and you you fold it over and stuff it full of straw, uh, wheat straw, and then roll it up and, and clamp it together with hog uh, hog clips, and um, you basically make a tube of straw that a duck can nest in. They've done some of this in the prairies and mallards will take to them, but we've tried it on the coast. I know in a variety of areas, uh, people have, and thinking that model ducks may take to it, it keeps them off the water. You can put a big um, predator ring around it to keep things from getting in the nest, but model ducks just don't take to them. Um, But they've done pretty well on their own, uh, seeing how we have 20,000 together now. And Milo, we're still doing a pretty pretty robust uh, banding with model ducks, yeah, yeah. we we do some pretty intensive banding of those um, during the summer. We'll catch them during their during their flightless period when they're molting in their wing feathers, and uh, have a, a pretty intensive banding program on them, monitoring populations, and and making sure that we're we're staying steady and and um and doing well with our management there. So really, absolutely. really, for the really duck hunter looking, interesting bird. Absolutely, and for the duck hunter looking for a band, you kill a model duck, pretty good chance you might get a band. Um, we've done pretty well with our banding. Um, so, yep. well, I know we're getting close. Uh, well, Molly, I have one question. Thoughts? I have one question for Molly before we, uh, wrap this up. Molly head to head, head to head in a duck field. Who's the better hunter, you or major downer? Oh man. We <laughs> haven't done that. Phil. That's not fair to ask. <laughs> well, in theory, I'm willing, right. to take that cha- it, Molly, I'm willing to take that challenge on you. Just invite me wherever you need me to go. <laughs> we'll make it we'll make I would it be. How about this? I would be a happy loser right next to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, maybe we'll double back and give you, give you a, a report next time. Yeah, that's right. We'll do another report. Phil will have to do that. She and I'll go hunting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Molly will take you somewhere nice, and we'll see. I'll benefit from that joke uh, from that um, challenge. But thank you for that. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> be great. Well. You know, as we finish out waterfowl season, one of the things we want to encourage people again is we just talked about the front of the show, talking about uh, making sure you tell somebody where you are. If you're waterfowl hunting, the cold weather particularly, 
make sure you wear warm enough clothes. I just got back from a trip where make sure your waders don't leak. That's a big thing. I mean, you're just going to get wet and you're going to get cold. And I was that way for three days, and I'd have paid any amount of money for a brand-new pair of waders. When it's cold, the biggest thing is to stay dry. So check your equipment before you go. Do better than me. Make sure you have plenty of layers. You can take off layers. You can't add. That's one of the big secrets of, of trying to stay warm is to have layers that you can remove if it gets hot. Um, and when it's hot like it is right now, you know, it doesn't look like we're going to have a whole lot of cold weather. But, you know, 30-degree morning can get cold if the wind's up. So just try to stay, you know, to layer up, stay dry, uh, and let people know where you're going. Be specific. Tell them where you're going to be and when you plan to return. Guys, thank you. Thank you, Major. Thank you, Molly. SC Wild tonight here on Sports Talk. We enjoyed it. Have a great night.